Welcome to the Build Podcast, a ministry of the Next Gen team of First Baptist Owasso. We believe the next generation, the children being raised right now, will change the world. They matter to God, to you, and to us. In this episode of Build, Julie Paul talks about Side by Side with Special Needs Families Part 2. Every day you can make a difference in a life of a child. You are not alone. This is Build. But anyway, my name is Julie Paul, and I take care of you. Um, but um, I am um, the executive director at King's Grove School, which is a new private Christian uh, classical school here for students with special needs. Um, and our students are moderate to severe special needs. Um, my husband and I have um, four children. We have a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old, and then we have an 8-year-old, and then we have a 3-year-old. And we were not expecting a three-year-old at all. <laughs> um, that was a gift from the Lord. Oh, that took me about eight months to really understand that that gift was really coming. That I really welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, we have um, our eight-year-old uh, son, Jesse, um, has severe autism and he is nonverbal. Um, and our three-year-old, Jules Patrick, uh, is on the autism spectrum as well. So we've been walking with special needs as a family for pretty close to nine years. Um, when Jesse was born, we knew there was something very different about what was going on there. Um, and I'll be honest, um, it was, um, it really rocked my world. It really, I'm just saying I've gone inside all the stuff, but anyway, I don't of course, who wears one of these on their face? No one does. Um, anyway, but, um, it did. It, it, um, it was something that my husband and I had become grips with. Um, we, we both came to know the Lord when we were um, in our early teens. Um, and um, we um, banged on and knew the Lord's sovereignty. We knew he was in control of all things. We knew that his plan was perfect and good and that he works all things out together for good for those that love him. Um, and that are called according to his purpose, that um, we we had a tough time coming to grips that this was his purpose and that it was good. Um, our life was going really well. Um, <laughs> we had a son and a daughter. We had a dog and a cat. We had a bird. Uh, I was working as an interior designer. He was in corporate America, and we had all the boxes checked for all the things that the world tells us is uh, elements of success. And um, when Jesse came, it became apparent that I could not continue working at that point in time. Um, so I, I quit work and stayed home with him. Um, and um, both of us handled um, coming to terms with that um, and with disability in our home differently. Um, I, I told our last session, um, anytime something is presented to me that is an obstacle or a problem or in my mind something that needs to be fixed, my first um, my first action is research. So in about a span of six months, I read about 31 books on autism um, and just inundated myself with information thinking that if I knew all of those things, um, then I would be able to solve this problem. Um, and that's how I thought at first we could have the problem. Um, I remember thinking when Jeff and I first got married and, and we were talking about kids, I thought, you know, my one thing was, oh, I just hope they're healthy. I, I don't know what I would do with a special needs kid. Um, I saw special needs friends and family, um, uh, and I thought, that is really great, people that work with them. 
uh, but that's not my calling. That's what I thought. I'm just being very transparent and honest. Um, and then the Lord woke me up to show me that um, he has purpose and plans in every single person he puts on this world, whether, whether they're his and they're going to heaven or whether they're not, they all have purpose. Um, and that um, it is my responsibility as his daughter and as his child um, to glorify him, proclaim his name, and share the good news of his gospel. And I, the Lord just um, broke my husband and I. The Lord just broke my husband and I for the whole community, especially as families and kids, because we see that Satan has taken our moral system and really put them at the very bottom of the barrel. When actually, when we look at it through a biblical lens, they're actually at the top. We're supposed to emulate them because their faith and their childlike faith is what Christ wants to do. Um, so with that, the Lord has just given us opportunity after opportunity to um, to just fellowship with other families with special needs, um, given us opportunity to talk to other people about how to embrace families with special needs. Um, and it is not like a large group of people that we have had the opportunity to speak with about these things. It's actually quite small. Um, families with special needs, we tend to hunker together um, because they, we know each other's walk. Um, but I really have been convicted in the last few years about widening our circle and being sure that we're including those families with neurotypical kids because they need our kids as much as we need their kids. We need their fellowship as much as they need our fellowship. And the Lord's called us together to do that. So that's what we're looking at in this session number two. Um, we're talking about walking side by side with persons with special needs and their families. Um, and in session number one, we talked about what the Bible says about that. And if you really want to boil it down to this, it's because God created them, and he created everything in his purpose and for his plan, and because they're part of the kingdom of God, and his brothers and sisters were all equal under the Lord. That's why. And because they need the gospel. They're sinners just like we are, and that's why we should have fellowship with them. So if you are not sharing the gospel with your brothers and sisters with special needs, um, you are not fulfilling the Great Commission. You're just not. Um, we're instead of we're ignoring that people group. So that's what we talked about. Um, but this week, we're kind of gearing up for the walk. And now we're going to talk, we're going to get walking. And we're walking side by side. And we're just going to talk about forming lasting relationships in the special needs community um, and with those families. So um, I'm just going to ask again, I just always like to take a survey of who has children with special needs. Okay. Um, who knows people with special needs? We're all, we're all in, on similar playing field here, okay? Um, so this, this is going to be for both, both parties. And there has to be reciprocation from both sides. Um, it cannot be just those families that do not have children with special needs coming in and pouring in. We are called to the exact same serving and fellowshipping that our neurotypical families are called to. We are to be pouring into those families just as they are pouring into us. We are not just to be served, we are to serve. Um, and that is something that is harder for special needs families to do, but it's doable. Um, so we're gonna talk about that. But, um, on, your, on your outline here for me, um, this is my outline for the session. And over here on this side, this is all the scripture that I'm basing it off of. I use a lot of scripture. Um, because it really doesn't matter what I'm saying. 
um, Judaism, really will get you nowhere. <laughs> Just gonna let you know. And that the word of God is absolutely sufficient for every single part of life. It's sufficient for every single person that's ever walked on the earth. It's sufficient for every single human being that will walk on the earth. Um, and it's sufficient for what we're talking about here. There's lots of books on special needs. I don't recommend a lot of them. I'm going to be honest, I'm a little picky. Um, <laughs> there are a few that I do. Um, but even those books fall short of all the good wisdom that you can get right here. There is one book that you need to understand how to relate to children with special needs or persons with special needs, and it is the Bible. It is the only book that you need. So if you've already got one, great. You don't have to walk by a book after this. How about that? Um, but we're going to start here. We're going to stop, start with fellowshipping first. Um, so um, just to kind of recap at the end, um, we talked about why, why, or actually we didn't carry out of time, but why fellowship with, with special needs persons. And in Ephesians 4, 2, 7, it says um, that we want to fellowship and, and have unity in the body because we're all equal in Christ. It says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, and being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. For there is one body, and there is one Spirit, just as also you are called in hope of your calling. There is one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism, and one God, and he is the Father of all, and he is over all, and he is through all, and in all. Okay, that is fully encompassing right there. He's over everything. He's the one. He's the one. He is our commonality. He is our common bond. That is why we have fellowship. It's because we all love the Lord. If you are in Christ, you love him because he saved you from sin. He saved you from death and hell and a life that has no purpose and no meaning to give you purpose and meaning, not just here, but in eternity. And that commonality is the same. When he saves a brother and sister that have a disability, they have been given that same amount of grace that you have been given. You are all dead in your sins. We were all dead in our sins. No one's righteous, no, not one. And he saved us. And he brought us and he's made us his own. And now we have purpose in this life. And that's why we fellowship together, no matter what our cognitive ability or our physical abilities are. So that being said, um, we also want to serve with and to persons with special needs. And it says in James 2, 1 through 10, which I will not read all of that because um, I would run out of time. And um, my brothers, do not hold your faith in our glorious Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. But if you show partiality, you're committing, um, say sin, and are convicted by the law of transgressors. And there he's talking about, he talks about, James talks about when um, someone comes to the church and um, they have the gold ring, and they're really the rich man and the poor man. And you give the rich man the seed of privilege, and you give the poor man the seed of shame. Um, when we do that, we are just basically elevating the world. So we are saying that looks and productivity and the utilitarian goal of success in the world's eyes is what we value. And we're saying we don't value what Christ values. So when we want to only equip our brothers and sisters who have neurotypical minds and bodies to serve in the church, we are actually doing just what James says we're not supposed to do. 
we are giving what we see as profitable and what the world says is good as a place of honor. And we're giving the people who the Lord has declared beautiful in his sight a place of shame. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're showing favoritism. So, with that being said, we want to fellowship. Service is going to come, but we need to fellowship. We need to fellowship with each other. And in session three, we're going to talk about how to do that specifically here at the church. But right now, we're talking more about personal relationships. Um, just one of my most favorite verses about um, special needs, and this is you're going to find really very few in the Bible, honestly, because once again, we're all equal in the sight of the Lord. We're all sinners. He says it's all the same. We've all been given the same amount of grace. So. What we're called to do is all the same. Um, but he does specify them in a couple of places. And Luke 14, 12 through 14 is one of them. It talks about fellowshipping with special needs persons. And he said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in and return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. We are naturally seekers of friendship and fellowship that is reciprocal. It is just our natural bent. I love to talk. I love to be with people. I love to be with my friends. I love to um, just have that fellowship all the time. And I really love it whenever I can speak and then people speak it to me. Um, it is wonderful. So my older two children, um, they think I'm crazy. But um, I, I don't let them be on their phones or um, do anything until they tell me about their day. And good fine, okay, lunch, you know, but those are things that they cannot talk about. They have to communicate with me because I want to know about them. Um, and so we just have that natural desire for, for fellowship and a reciprocal fellowship. Well, when the Lord gave us Jesse, who cannot speak, and he cannot talk, and he cannot reciprocate conversation with me, I first I was at a loss a little bit. I was like, okay, how do we do this? Um, but over the years, I have learned that there is actual reciprocation between he and I. It is not verbal, but it is an action, it is in touch, it is in love, it's in laughter, it's in all of those things. It's not the way that we initially thought it would be, but, but it is. But that's something that Luke is talking about here. He is saying that it's really easy to invite people who are like you. It's really easy to invite people who we know what we're going to get from them. And we're going to walk away feeling really good because they poured it to us. It is not easy to invite people to your table or into your home where you don't know. It might be silent the whole time. Or they might say something that's really odd or strange. Or I break something in your house. Or <laughs> mess up your plans for a beautiful time and you end up having to do something different. Um, that's what Luke is talking about here, is that we are to invite people who we can serve, who we can give a need to. And I want to point out that when we do this, we are demonstrating Christ-likeness. We get that God really doesn't need us. He 
he does not need our fellowship. He is perfect in every way. If it was just him and none of this had ever been created, he would still be okay. He would be perfect still, but he has decided that he would not only create us, but then he's going to scoot down and bring us into fellowship with him and love on us and pour into us. I mean, there is nothing I can say to the Lord that, that gives him wisdom. There is nothing I can say to the Lord that would show the correct amount of love or praise. I mean, in this body that I have right now, this sinful, awful body, I cannot praise him as he is worthy to be praised. I can't do it. None of us can. So there's really nothing I can give him that he that he loves me and he's allowing me to have fellowship with him because he is a loving and gracious God. And as our brothers and sisters, we think initially that there's not a whole lot there that they can give us. We are gracious to them. Not only will we get what Luke promised, which is we'll be repaid as the resurrection of the just, believe me, you are going to re- be repaid now. <laughs> You are going to get reciprocation. You are going to get love. You are going to get faith. You are going to get friendship. You are going to get commonality. And you are going to get a relationship that will completely change your life. It will change your perspective. And it will prepare you for eternity. Because I'm going to say this over and over and over. Right now, we are the same spiritually with our brothers and sisters. We are on different playing grounds physically and mentally. In eternity, we're all the same. We all get glorified bodies. We all get perfection. And so if we're going to be serving them in eternity, or serving with them in eternity, like forever, doesn't it make a logical sense that we would be serving with them here to prepare for that? Surely, surely we should. Surely we should be serving and fellowshipping with them here. So that's what Luke has to say about that. We're going to come to the feast. We're coming together. Um, I'm going to let you guys read over the rest of that because I really want to get to our Q&A today um, on call to fellowship together without expectation of reciprocation. We kind of already talked about that. But, um, there's two types of fellowship. First of all, there's the fellowship that brings understanding, and then there's a fellowship that brings friendship. And so if you are wanting to dial into families and the community of special needs, um, you need to start with that fellowship that brings understanding. Um, there are just certain things that you need to know whenever you go about, you know, engaging in that. It is not rocket science. Special needs does not mean that there is this need that this child or person has that is mystical or like a unicorn or a rainbow or just something weird and off you know, that, that you never need. It is the same needs that we have. They are just magnified needs and they are chronic needs. So if our husband has lost a job or, or you've lost a job, um, you know, your need is financial, but eventually that need stops whenever you get a job. If you are diagnosed with cancer, your need then is for medical attention and help. And it may, you know, it's going to wear on you emotionally and physically and all of financially, all the strains. But eventually, there's either going to come a time where you are cured of that disease or the Lord takes you home. Okay? And so with special needs families, it's a little different because most of their, most, and I won't say all, 
that most of the, the needs and the disabilities that they live with are lifetime. If it's not, it is going to last for a, for a little while. Um, but their needs are magnified. My son needs friendship. It's really hard for him to come on. My son needs to hear the gospel. It's really hard to get that across to him. My son needs education. He had to make a school so that he could get that. Um, it's just they're, they're the same needs that our high neurotypical kids have, but it's just much more magnified. So when we have fellowship that brings understanding, we want to look for that in several places. We, first of all, this does none of this, this whole thing right here, this cannot apply to the world. They can't. They, they don't have the same standard that we do. They don't have the same purpose in life that we do. So this only applies if you're in Christ. This is the only way that this will work. And so that's why the church, and I don't mean necessarily First Baptist Church, I mean the church that is the body of Christ, that's why we are the ones that are called to minister to these families. Is because we have the purpose, we have the truth, we have the gospel that they need. So while we're seeking our fellowship, we need to be seeing where to do that. And we need to do that in the church. That's a great place for it to start because there's fellowship there. But we need to do it in the community, and then we need to invite them into our home. I'm just going to be honest. There's a statistic out there from the Southern Baptist Convention in 2017 that 85% of families with special needs do not attend church regularly. They are the most unreached people group in the world at this point in time. So, yes, you can start in the church, but if you're starting in your church, you are missing a really big group of people. So, you really, to, to, to have fellowship that brings understanding, you're going to start in your community, and then you're going to bring them into your home. Um, if you look down at, at B, it says fellowship that brings friendship. Um, when we start out ministering or seeking fellowship with persons with special needs, and I, it's real easy to look at an eight-year-old kid like Jesse and say, oh, I want to be his buddy. So my son is eight. He's not this tall. He's very, very cute. He's the one back there looking out the window. That precious little guy back there. Um, he flaps all the time. And he goes, like, ah, and it's really cute. My husband is 6'5 and 240 pounds. And so Jesse is Sunday going to be 6'5 and 240 pounds. So it is cute to see him flap and jump right now. Can you imagine what it's going to look like when he is 17 to 18 years old and is flapping and jumping? Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> going to be huge, you know? And that is, that is something that's going to be a little bit harder to fellowship with, okay? So when I'm talking about fellowshipping that brings friendship, I want us to not just think about our sweet little kids, but I want us to think about our adults with special needs as well, because they need it just as much as our little as our children do. Okay. So um, fellowship that brings friendship. We go into this thinking that we're going to minister to people. We go into this thinking we're going to help. And you do. Trust me, you do. And we need it. Oh my goodness, do we need it? So come, come. But um, you're going to end up actually with a friendship that's going to last a lifetime. You're going to end up with a friendship that um, it doesn't really matter if you mess up and you say the wrong thing that day. It doesn't matter if you had something in your teeth. It doesn't matter if you you know, weren't feeling well that day. There's some unconditional love that you'll never experience this side of heaven except for with. I mean, it just is. Um, but there are places where you can get that, and that's with persons of special needs. 
that's with parents and the caretakers of those with special needs. They are isolated. They need your friendship. We're going to talk about practical considerations as to how to do that in a minute. And then a group that really gets left out is siblings of those with special needs. Um, we have a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old neurotypical kids, and um, they are the ones overlooked the most. People think that they have it together, and they don't. <laughs> they do not. Um, they do things that most of their peers would never have to do by this time. Um, they are caretakers, and they, they grow up knowing that they are the ones that will be the caretakers of their brother and sister. They will be the ones responsible for that. So they're making life decisions about where they're going to go to college, about who their spouse is going to be, about what job they're going to have. My son, who's 17 years old, is already thinking, well, I'm going to go into medicine so that Jesse will have what he needs and so that I can make enough money that if something happens and you guys don't have enough money, he's well taken care of. My daughter is already thinking, well, I just want to be sure that my husband doesn't have a job that moves around a lot because I want him to be here because I'll need his help not only with our children but with Jesse. Nobody wants to take me, and everybody wants Jesse. I said, well, what about me? What if I live now? Pretty much. Um, but um, this is um, fellowship there with the siblings. And then, um, once again, person to person and family to family. I'm just going to share a little story. Um, I'm going to share a story, um, and it's nothing... I have never met a person who has been to me about our child. Um, everyone wants to love on him. Everyone wants to help our family, but like I said, we don't know how. Um, we, our, our family is not able to attend church-wide things very often. It's overwhelming to our eight-year-old son. But um, our older two kids were getting ready to go to Camp Barnabas, which is a um, special needs camp and serve there as missionaries for the summer with our youth group. And so they had <coughs> lunch to raise them. And so um, everyone was invited, you know, sit, sit by somebody new, you know, those types of things. And so Jeff and I said, okay, we're going to go and we're going to do this. And so we get, you know, each of us had a child. <laughs> you know, our teens are off because we want them to go do this. Each of us has a child. We've got our plate. We walk into the gymnasium where everybody is. So loud, and Jesse immediately recoils, like, What is this? And my youngest, who has like food versions, is like, Ooh, it's gross, it's gross, because everything he smells is gross. And so we just get to our table and we hunker down and we eat, and not a single soul sits around us. We're at our own table. It's for special needs. We're the only special needs family in the room, and no one is sitting around. And I, I saw it, and Jeff was like, Julie, you know that these people love us, but it's not it. We just think that it's going to be better if we're by ourselves because they don't want to intrude. So Jeff, eventually, Joel and Jesse can't handle it. They get up, they walk out, and immediately four of my dear friends just come one after the other and come talk to me. Hey, how are you doing? Did it all this thing. It was sweet. They came to check on me. They came to see if I was okay. But what they didn't get was that I want them to have that same interaction with my son. I want them to have that same interaction with my husband, you know, with our little Miss Jules, and they don't know how to do it. 
So we've got to interact person to person and family to family. We've got to connect together so that we are really fellowshipping with every member of the group. They know, we know, we know how to interact with the mom and the dad. We know how to interact with the siblings. Because to interact with them as a whole family is really tough. So we're going to get to this, and we're going to talk about practical considerations. And I'm going to go through this list really shortly. And then I'm going to introduce you to Shelly and Laura, who are two of my, my dear friends, and they both have children with special needs as well. Um, and they're going to be able to kind of pour in some of these practical considerations. And I just want to take some time at the end to open it up for questions. But a few things to consider is the dynamics and the logistics of special needs. If you have a friend that has special needs, you don't need to read 31 books like I did to figure out what's going on. Get online, just Google it, see what it's about, if it's autism, if it's you know, Down syndrome, if it's cerebral uh, palsy, you know, whatever that is, just get a quick, quick idea about what it is. But we would never go, um, we would never go out to a different country on a mission field. This is part of the mission. I mean, I don't want to make light of it. We are doing missionary work whenever we engage with special needs families. We wouldn't go there and not at least do some research on the culture or on the language. Do some research. It'll, it'll help. Um, also, timing. Um, at church, right after church has ended, it's probably not the best time to try to fellowship with your families with special needs. They love you, they want to see an encouraging, hey, good to see you, those types of things, but they're usually just trying to get out to the car at that point in time. Kids are spent, they are spent, we're all exhausted, and we just want to be in our own place. So you have to think about those things. If it's an overwhelming spot to be in, probably not the best way, okay? Um, instead, Check their schedule, see what their personal family cycles are, and just try to get together with them at home. That's usually the best way to connect. Um, communication barriers. Like I said, our son doesn't speak, um, and a lot of kids who are verbal, they don't understand everything that you're trying to say to them. They don't pick up social cues. They don't have those types of things. Um, so because of that, um, we want to be sure that we're just um, speaking clearly to them, but just just like you would any other child. You want to get down on their level. You want to be not intimidating to them. Um, so you want to talk to them in a way that's age appropriate. If it's an 18-year-old child or a person that's a child, talk to them like an 18-year-old. Um, if it's a old. Old. Um, even though their intellectual level is not the same, um, their emotional level sometimes is. They know that they're a teenager and they wanted to be treated like their peers. Um, once again, common ground. Um, we all have the common ground that, that the Lord loves us and wants to help us, but we need to find other common ground. Um, people with special needs like movies. They like books. They like um, shopping. They like Minecraft. They like Swimming, hiking, riding in a golf cart, right? Um, OU games. They like all of those things that you like. There is some commonality. There is some common ground. And just a few questions to their caretaker, their parent, or just talking to them about your day will help you see what those are. Um, the sixth one, and I put this on there. I'm really serious. Don't be scared. It's all right. You are not going to break them. They are not going to break you. You're not going to do any kind of major damage. And just the fact that you are wanting to engage with them 
it doesn't matter if you say the wrong thing, their parents not going to be mad at you. I promise. I really, I think I can say that 99.9% .9 of the time. If you are wanting to engage in relationship with their child, they are going to be ecstatic about it. So don't be scared. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, it just takes some time. Um, initiation and invitation. Um, anticipate the ask. Um, with with uh, your special needs families, you need to anticipate that they um, that they might ask for help, and um, encourage them to ask for help. If you are a special needs family, ask for help. Don't do it alone. You can't do it alone. The Lord did not create us to do it alone. The Lord did not create us to do it alone. Um, but listen and learn. Um, they're going to try to give you information, and it's going to seem sporadic, but if you kind of piece your conversations together, it's going to help you know better how to do that. And then the other thing is to acknowledge and act. Um, if somebody says, you know, yeah, I really am struggling right now. I really would like to go to Bible study, but I can't figure out how to do that, help them figure out a way to do that. If they say, yeah, I really am struggling, I just... Um, you know, really I'm not sure what to do here. Just see what you can do to help out with that and the smallest things. And then there's give and take. Once again, we're supposed to serve as well. We are supposed to serve you. So when we say, what can we be praying for you for? Oh, I hear this all the time. Oh, Julie, nothing. My, my needs aren't even near as big as your needs are. I don't care, and neither does the Lord. I need to be praying for you because you're my sister in the Lord. So I want to know what I can pray for you for. Or, you know what, I saw that you're, you know, you were sick last week, and so let me bring you a meal. Oh, no, no, Julie, don't do that. You've got so much on your plate. You've got too much on your plate. We, we know what we have on our plate, and we want to serve because we love you all, and we want to serve you like you all serve us. So that's for that. Um, this last part, follow-up and communication, um, time together. Um, like I said earlier, um, at the end of church is probably not the best time to talk. So you have to be intentional about how to get together with your friends and family of special needs, that have special needs. Um, you're going to have to work out time to do that. Um, so I'm just going to tell a quick story, and then after that, I'll, we're going to turn it over to our Q&A panel. But, um, we had a family invite us over to brunch, <laughs> our whole family to brunch one day, which was, it's comical, because um, <laughs> we are a circus anywhere we go. Um, but they did, and I said, you want us all to come. Yep, we want you all to come. Every one of us, all six of us, all Team Paul, you want us to come. Yep, bring the whole thing. Okay, all right, we will come. So we did, and at 10 o'clock in the morning, we entered into our friend's home, and it was beautiful. She had the china set all the way down the dining room table and all of the things. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Well, right away, we saw that our Jules and Jesse were not going to be able to handle it in there, and they made a beeline straight to the back door and outside. And I said, you know, I think just the smells are overwhelming them a little bit. And, and my, my boys love to be outside, so that's just their calm place. And I said, you know, I'll just stay out here. You guys go ahead and start. And she's like, okay, okay, all right. And so there's, you know, three or four other families there aside from ours. All of a sudden, people start walking out to the back, and they've got paper plates, and they've got their beautiful quiche and their, you know, yogurt parfait and everything on their plates, and everybody walks out to the back, and she had put away all the china, and she had got her paper plates out, and she moved that beautiful brunch outside to where my boys 
could enjoy that as well. That is time together. It was simple. It was easy. There was not a big to do. I mean, it could have been pizza, like Laura said earlier. Um, you know, but that that was understanding that things aren't going to work out just the way you plan them to be. So we're flexible to be able to create a space where everybody can enjoy that together. So that being said, I already talked about our finish line in sight, and I'll let you all go over that. But I just want to spend, yeah, we've got about seven minutes, about seven to eight minutes, um, just answering some questions that you all have. Um, if you're a special needs family, ask questions about what Laura and Shelly have done. Both of them have teenagers um, with special needs, so they've walked this road longer than I have. Um, and just about what they've done to advocate for their children, to help their children have inclusion, to help their families have inclusion. If you are a family that does not have special needs, but you're wanting to integrate that in, ask them what's worked best. Ask them what's not worked best. Um, some things like that. I have some questions that I can ask them to you, but I, I want to open it up to you all first to see if there are any. So are we good? Thanks for listening to Build. Our desire is to walk with you. We hope the episode helps you better understand your kids and engage with them more intentionally. The Build conversation never ends. Visit fbcowasso.org to stay connected and discover an incredible community of people who are on this journey together. We look forward to building an incredible story with you.